welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Alrighty, friends. I hate to break up a good thing, but <laughs> I was saying I hate to break up a good thing, but. Uh... I worked so long and hard on this sermon this week, I figured I may as well give it, you know. You know, honest to goodness, sometimes sermons and teachings, it's, I, I feel like they fall from the sky, uh, like they fall from the heavens. And then other times I feel like, for the women in the room who have actually done this, I apologize, but I feel like I've like labored, you know, and I had to give birth to this thing, and it just did not want to be born, so... Uh, You'll have to decide which one it was this week. <laughs> and then the other thing is, sometimes I forget water and I go into the sacristy and I always think it's so funny that there are red solo cups in our sacristy where the pastors meet. You can take that wherever you would like. Um, okay, let's do this. We're, my name's Micah, if I haven't said that already. And um, I'm glad you're here. I, uh, sometimes it's a labor of love just to get here, and um, I get that. And sometimes it's, you, maybe this is your first time here, and that's big, so I'm glad you're here. Um, we're in a series called Enter, and we started it last week. And this is a series that's exploring a question, and the question is this. If you could experience as real more and more of God's presence in your daily life, would you want that? And I assume, since you're here, at least in some way, shape, and form, that the answer to that question is, like, on the side of positive, like, moving towards yes. Uh, if you could, if it were possible, if it were available to us to experience more and more God's presence and activity in our daily lives, like, would we want that? And so last week, we began with this idea of stopping. I'm convinced that if we say yes to this, then the beginning of that process is to stop. Shabbat. Sabbath pause, rest, uh, turn aside or turn our attention intentionally towards something else, which is this experience with God. Uh, it's my opinion that this is the doorway that sort of opens to communion and an experience with God. And once we've stopped and turned aside, which is of course an attitude in our hearts first and foremost, but then actually like practice in our lives, uh, that we begin to enter into this flow, as it were, this experience. I'm curious, by show of hands, um, pop quiz class, how many of you, after last week, like, tried something new to, uh, or moved towards Sabbath in, like, an intentional way in the last week in your life? Just show of hands, raise, raise them high, friends. That's great. That's so encouraging. Thank you. I'm s Sometimes, you know, you just wonder, like, is anybody listening out there? Is anybody, like, is this landing at all? So, um, you know, if you were ever to have something encouraging happen to you, feel free to email me, you know. I get lots of emails, and sometimes they're not really encouraging. Sometimes they are, but it's always fun to get those ones where it's like, you know, my, this happened in my life, and God said something and spoke, and I experienced I just That's payday for me, payday. So if you have those experiences, feel free to share them with me or other people in the church. Um, so today what I want to focus on is this kind of next step. Like once we've stopped and we've turned aside, we've Shabbated, we've Sabbath, then what? Uh, and I want to 
explore this idea of seeing. And what does it mean to see? Sabbath is, is very much a concrete idea in some ways that you know, we do these things in our life in order to stop. And this process of seeing is a little bit more fluid. It's a little bit more nuanced, I think, in some ways. Because um, we're not necessarily talking about what do you see literally with your eyes, but rather how are you seeing? How are you experiencing and seeing your life or your, the people around you or the world? Uh, Jesus has this phrase. He says it often in the New Testament. He's actually quoting Ezekiel the prophet and a few others. Ezekiel the prophet says this. He says, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see but do not see. They have ears to hear but do not hear. And so Jesus will often tell a story. And then he'll say to him or her who has eyes to hear, eyes to see, huh? eyes to see and ears to hear, let them do that. And it's as if the assumption is that hearing and seeing is not a given. Like, we can all see, I'm assuming, most of the people in the room, right? We can all hear most of the people in the room. But hearing and seeing has some sort of other level. A sacred hearing and seeing. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. That's what we want to explore this morning. I uh, met my wife in college. I was a dashing young man who was horribly dressed. <laughs> you might think I'm horribly dressed now. I have made serious progress, you guys. I could show you pictures and you'd be like, dang, really? Yes, it's true. But um, I was at a dance and Laura came up to me and uh, she introduced herself and said, hello, my name is Laura. Would you like to dance? And I was like, wow, wow, yes. I still remember what she was wearing. Uh, there it is. Amazing. I said, yes, and that, uh, that began about five months of hot pursuit. You guys remember the Dukes of Hazard? Buckle up, Flash, we're in hot pursuit. Roscoe, Pico train. Man. Okay. Tough crowd today. Tough crowd. Hot pursuit, like five months. And here's the thing, guys. Every, there were like all kinds of people who knew this, but I was completely oblivious to the fact there was totally another guy in the picture. Like, she had met this guy and was kind of, like, thinking about maybe dating this other guy. Completely oblivious. Just never saw it coming. You know, I got robbed by a little old lady on a bike, and I never even saw it coming. <laughs> we see, there is a possibility in our lives where it's right in front of us, but we don't see it. Like, we don't have eyes to see it, or we don't have ears to hear it. Said differently, sometimes we see what we want to see, or we hear what we want to hear. But there's a possibility of going through our lives without ever hearing and seeing in this sacred sense. And so I want to explore what it means to see this morning. To do so, we're going to look at the sort of what, why, and how, a little bit of setup uh, to get to. As we look at scripture, what are some of the things that happen when we begin to see in this way? And, and what are some of the things that we learn about God who models it uh, to sort of see through God's eyes? So that's kind of what we're going to do this morning. Uh, so first, what, why, and how. If we're going to enter into this flow, if we're going to enter into this experience of the one and living God, and I'm suggesting it begins with stopping, so that we can see, the first question is what? What are we seeing? And I want to introduce or, or offer this possibility of seeing as God sees. What does it mean to say that, we, that available to us is the possibility to see 
the world and our lives and our neighbors and our spouses and our children and the knucklehead in the cube next to us as God sees. Like, you can imagine, if I were to give you my glasses, like, you would literally see the world through my lenses, right? You'd see them through my prescription, which isn't that bad, not yet. But you would see the world through my lens, and we all have this, right? We all have eyes that we experience our lives through, a lens through which we see. And then, according to Scripture, there's this other, there's this deeper level of seeing that's available to us that Jesus invites us into, Seeing as God sees. One could call it maybe sacred seeing. That's the what, but why? Why are we stopping so that we can see as God sees? I would submit to you that we see with gradations of truth, or we see in part. When I look at the world and I experience someone or something or some situation, it may or may not be an accurate reflection of what's true and real. Right? Are you with me? We see... In part, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, we see through a glass dimly on this side of resurrection. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at in some ways. That when I experience something, or I look at the world, or I do it through my eyes and my lenses, my understanding that I, sometimes I see what's true and real. And sometimes I totally miss it. And it's clouded by my disorientation, my brokenness, um, my sinfulness, my... Uh, ability to be autonomous and not need anyone else. And, and if we were to parade everybody up here, we could share stories of how we've not seen what's accurate and true and real in some way, shape, and form in our lives. Adam and Eve in the garden, one could argue, the invitation in chapter 3 from the serpent is to stop seeing as God sees. Right? Genesis 1 and 2 is this beautiful picture of shalom, peace, harmony, flourishing, wholeness, and delight for all and everyone in creation. And, to, and, and in that, Adam and Eve, humans, see as God sees. They see God and they see themselves and they see each other in this, in this light or through this lens. And the invitation is really to stop seeing as God sees and to see the world differently. To see God differently. To see one another differently. So we need to stop so that we can see as God sees because we see at best only partial truth. Which begs the next question, and maybe the all-important question, how? Because left to my own devices and left to your own devices, one could argue that we have not figured out how to see as God sees. So how? And I want to introduce this idea of communion with God again. Now in Scripture, there's a number of ways or lenses that the church or theologians have read about sin and brokenness in the Bible. And one of the ways that that, one of the lenses that that topic or that idea is read is this idea of communion or union with God. That in the beginning, what was present and experienced by the first humans was communion, union with God, intimate relationship, where there was knowing back and forth. And that what's lost or what's walked away from by humanity is communion, union with God. One theologian puts it this way. Human beings have fallen out of communion with God. We've severed the bond of communion with which we were created and thus no longer are in communion with the Lord and the giver of life. We no longer share in his divine life but instead have become partakers of death. And we know that this death is holistic. That it takes shape 
everywhere in our lives, in our own personal lives, in our families, in our institutions, in our systems, in our globe, in our, like, ecologically, that the partaking of death is all pervasive. So be encouraged, friends. Entropy all around us. Everything is breaking down. Have a good afternoon. (laughs) Just, well, no, I'm actually not kidding, um, but there's hope. Stick with me, people. It's not where the story ends. Uh, This theologian goes on to say, we need more than a change in our legal status. We need a change in our ontological status, which is the, the study of being or essence. That is, we must be filled with nothing less than the life of God in order to be healed, forgiven, and made new. Jesus did not come to make bad men good, but to make dead men live. And I would include humanity. I would make that more inclusive. Jesus didn't come to make bad men and women good, but came to make dead men and women live and alive. Thus God came into our world, becoming one of us, so that by his sharing in our life, we might share in his life. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Thus simply stated, to have communion with God means to have a share in his divine life. He lives in me, and I in him. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? This is Paul in Colossians. I come to know God even as I know myself, and I come to love even as God loves, because it is his love that dwells in me. I come to forgive as God forgives, because it's his mercy that lives in me. And I would add, I come to see as God sees, because it's his eyes that become my eyes. I think it's important to say this out loud and not skip over it. That being reconnected to this source, communion with the divine, is the key to seeing as God sees. On our own, we can't do it. Try as we might. History tells us this. I could bring you up here to testify to it. I could testify to it. And I would be remiss and likely regret the opportunity if I passed it up to remind you that I believe an awaken is centered around the assumption that this reconnection with the divine, that it comes by faith and trust in the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. That in Jesus, God has done something definitive, which is particular and effective and available to any and all who want it, by faith and trust in him. Can't talk about this and, and pass that up. I'd be a bad pastor In the meantime, or in the time I have remaining, if that's how, what, and why, or what, why, and how, then what does it mean to see as God sees? What's the example of that? Now here we go. Let's open the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to ask you to stand for this first reading. We're going to look at three passages, three parts. I won't ask you to stand for all of them, but... We stand at Awaken when we read the scriptures because it's of great value. Is at the center of who we are and what we want to do and be about. So in Genesis 1, in verse 1, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, separated the light from the darkness, called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and morning, the first day. Pray with me. God, as we gather in this place, we do so as your church with varying degrees of faith. And so I pray that wherever we are, you would meet us, that you would invite us, call us, encourage us to move towards you, 
and ultimately, more and more of who you made us to be. So, by your work in our lives, redeem us, restore us, make us new, help us see as you see. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Last week, I talked about the the importance of the first usage of a word, Shabbat, right? We talked about Sabbath and the first usage of that and why it's important in Hebrew text. The first usage of the word or the idea to see comes in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. And God saw that the light was good, separated or havdalah, which is to separate or set apart in a Jewish home if you celebrate Sabbath. The end of Sabbath is a ceremony called havdalah where you separate or you mark time. Not to say that one is sacred and one is profane, but one is different than the other. And to, so, so that the two don't bleed into one and you mark them and know when they begin and when they end. You have the law, you separate, you set it apart. So God sees that the light, spe- says, creates the light, let there be light, sees the light, separates the light, have the law is the light, calls it good. Now, a question that has betwixt theologians and rabbis for centuries, and it's this. What is the light of day one? This is day one, the first book of the Bible, the first sentence coming out. In the beginning was uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and God, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God spoke, let there be light. What is the light of day one? Because if you're following the story, you should know that on day four, What is created is the sun, the moon, and the stars, what we know as light. So if the sun and the moon and the stars are not present in day one, then what exactly is the light that we are talking about here? Which is a fascinating and long conversation in church history and in rabbinic study. Now, I am a pastor and I am a teacher of the Bible, and so I figure if all kinds of other folks have given it a crack, I'll try it and see how I do on what is the light of day one. I mean, I've got the credentials to put my name in the hat, so here we go. What is the light of day one? If there's darkness and formlessness and chaos and disorder and the Spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, is hovering, and one, t- one translation says brooding over the water, like a hen over her eggs and her chicks. What is the light that God speaks, names, and draws out? The ability to see and name potential, possibility, goodness, generativity and draw it out, make space for it and cultivate spaces where it can flourish and grow. What is the light of day one? I would submit as a possible interpretation the energy that made the world. That which God creates a space for on day two, separating the vault and from which all of life comes. And so could one say that to see as God sees is to see the potential, the light, the possibility, the hope amidst every situation and every moment of every day? To see the light and the possibility and the hope and the future in every person that we encounter and come in contact with. And in order to see it, one must believe that this is the very nature of the God that we see in the Bible and the nature of the world that we live in. 
And so no matter the darkness, no matter the chaos, no matter the tumult, no matter the disorder that one might experience, that there is a possibility that exists in the midst of that darkness that this God is interested in naming and drawing forth into the world for a hope and a future and life. I just watched a YouTube video this last week. Evidently, three and a half million others have watched it, so maybe you've seen it. It's a TED Talk, and it's about a woman named Thurtis and a man named Tom. Anybody seen this? No? Okay. It is an unspeakable story about an interaction between two human beings, a man and a woman. And from this inky black chaos, they tell the story of hope and forgiveness and redemption and renewal and friendship and possibility that comes out of what everyone would say There is no hope, no future, no possibility in that. And yet there it is. The light of day one, rising up out of the ashes, out of the inky black chaos. To see as God sees, I want to suggest at first, at least from the text we see, that God is one who sees the light, the hope, the possibility, actually speaks it into existence so it's present and then sees it, names it, and calls it out. Do you believe that that's possible? Do you believe that that's true? In the darkest of places, in the, hallow- in, in the most horrible and s- tragic moments of our lives, of our human history, are we alone? Is all hope lost? Or is there a possibility of a God that is present amidst that darkness and that chaos speaking life and calling it out. Can you see as God sees? I think at least we see that. Secondly, I would say we see something about seeds and the potential that exists. If you follow in the story in verse 11, we read this. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their kind. And it was so. The land... The earth, creation, produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now, one could argue that a working definition for this all-important word in the scriptures, good or tov, that we see again and again in the creation story, ought to come from the text. And this is where we see it first. And one could say that we get no more detailed description of what is being called good than verses 11 and 12. And then we hear it again in Isaiah, sort of referenced back. We hear people being invited into it later in Scripture, so I think it's a good working definition. We see in verses 11 and 12 a couple of key ingredients. First and foremost, that God embeds into creation something. God the creator endows creation with potential. So God embeds it, God gives it, God imbues it, God endows it into creation, and what is endowed into creation, what is invested into creation, is potential, possibility, seeds, right? It says that the, let the land produce, let the creation produce vegetation that has seeds in the fruit. God's embedded in creation, or what's good is embedded in creation. What is embedded has potential for life, and the potential is an invitation to creation to help bring it forth. 
Notice what brings forth the seeds. It's, it's the earth. It's creation. And it's called good when creation is involved in this process. And then Adam and Eve are invited to care for and till and tend, work and, and, produ- and cultivate this good creation that God has made. So one could argue that a definition for good, what God calls good in the scriptures, is the actualization of potential life that's embedded in creation by God when creation itself brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. One more time. You ready for it? That's a good one. That's a good one. It's not mine. I stole it. (laughs) Credit where credit is due. The actualization for potential life, which is embedded in creation by God, when creation itself brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. What's being said is, this is not a dead end. It's not a zero-sum game. There is generativity when God's involved. And God invests, embeds in creation seeds of life. If you would just uh, bear with me, um, uh, trust me for a moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I, won't, I promise I won't throw anything at you. You're not going to get hit with anything. You're going to be totally safe. So close your eyes. If you don't want to, that's fine too. I want you to try to imagine one person in your life, whoever comes to the service, whoever comes to mind. Maybe it's a difficult relationship that you're in the midst of, or maybe it's a friend or a spouse or a coworker, son, daughter, whoever, one person. Imagine that person. See them in your eye, in your mind's eye. If it's true that the God of this story is a God who invests and embeds in all of creation the seeds of potential and future life. Can you see the tove, the seeds, in that person? And what if the invitation of God is for you to see as God sees, to see the seeds of life embedded in that person, to name them and invite them out. You can open your eyes if you want. When we think about people who are hard in our lives, difficult relationships that we're in, people that we think nothing good can come from Nazareth or that person or wherever they're from, Seeing as God sees is an invitation to know and trust that in every person and in every place that God has invested seeds of future life, potential, and that part of what we do, part of the work that we're invited into is to name it, to see it, to cultivate it, to bring it out, invite it to come forth in us and in others. So what are the seeds of life waiting in your life, all around you, waiting to be watered, to be cultivated, to be cared for, in your kids, in your spouse, in yourself, in your coworkers, in your neighbors. What does it mean to see as God sees? Light from darkness, seeds of future life coming to last. I would say this, Genesis 15, one more story, and then I'll wrap this up. 
we see in Genesis chapter 15 a very interesting and vulnerable, beautiful interaction between God and Abram. This is before he gets another letter added to his name. He's been given a promise, and he has a moment with God where he's like, hearts open. Genesis 15 verse 1 says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, which even if you just stop there, we could preach a sermon on that. What does the word of the Lord look like in a vision? Anyways, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, okay, God, listen up. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? You know it's bad when Eleazar of Damascus is involved, right? Come on, guys. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abram says, listen. Here's my deepest fear. That my life will be remembered by no one. That when I die, I will, I will cease to be remembered. And God says, Abram, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Seeing in God sees, at least as we look at this passage, means a couple of things. Have you ever had a moment with, uh, if you're a parent with a child, or uh, if you're not a parent with somebody in your life, who was just like, headed 100 miles an hour in this direction, which was not an accurate depiction of what's true and real in, 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 their, in their life or the situation. You know what I'm saying? So like when, it, when one of my kids is like, they're going a million miles in this direction, and you're like, babe, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. That's not true and real and right. Your sister is not an alien who's out to get you, right? And you do one of these moments where you're like, have you ever had that moment where somebody is not seeing what's true and real? And you're like, lift your eyes. Look at me and see what I see. Here's what's true. Here's what's real. You are loved. You belong. You're enough. Lift your eyes. I'm in the, this last weekend has been a really challenging one for, for me in a number of ways. Um, just, you know, life. And uh, my ability to see is being challenged like every second of every day. And there have been moments over the last week or so where I've been standing at my kitchen sink once again. <laughs> Somebody should just like, oh. So there I am, standing at my kitchen sink, or this, yeah, by the way, I feel like we should be building an ark. <laughs> right? Crikey! I mean, yesterday, <laughs> I was like, I feel depressed because of what is happening outside my window, which didn't help. So I'm standing in my kitchen, I'm standing in my dining room, I'm looking in my backyard, and the rain is just coming down relentlessly. And it's like, I just spiral, and it's not up, you know? Like, you get one thing in your mind, one, one inaccurate view of the future, and it's like you just start doing this number, and it's down and down and down, and somebody, I would argue, God, lifts my chin, lifts my eyes, and says, Micah, see what I see. 
What you see in front of you, you may think has no future, no hope. You may think it's headed in this direction, but see what I see, which is often a future beyond what your eyes can imagine. And it's interesting, the first usage of the word faith in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And friends, what we're talking about here is not the mental furniture of Abram in terms of his theological arrangements all being proper. What we're not talking about is saying all the right things that you believe about God. But rather, one Jewish theologian says this, the emunah, that's the word, uh, I may be butchering the pronunciation of that, but either way, that's what's translated believed or faith, the trust spoken of here, is more than belief that certain statements about God are true. It is a belief in God, trust and reliance upon God, all of which call forth behavior consistent with that stance of trust and reliance. To see as God sees is not only just saying something that you believe to be true about God, but actually allowing your life and your actions to be consistent with the faith and trust that you have in the God that you believe exists. So Abram lifts his eyes. This is not the first time this happens, by the way. Genesis 12, Abram, Leave your, fi- your family and go to a land I, God, will cause you to see. Genesis 15, or 13, Abram lifts his eyes and sees the land that God will give him. Genesis 22, uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac, God says, lift your eyes and see the mountain that I will show you. Over and over and over again, we see God saying, lift your eyes and see what I see. Trust, have faith in who I am and where this thing is headed. Even when you can't see it. And interestingly, in Deuteronomy 34, at the end of Moses' life, he's brought up to the top of a mountain, and he looks out over all the land that God promised the people. And what's interesting about this passage is if you're standing in the place that the Bible says you're standing, you can't see half of what's being described. God says, see everything I have given. But if you know Israel, you know that if you're standing there, you can't see over half of what's being described. And Moses actually never sees the promise the future, the hope in his own generation. Sometimes seeing seeing as God sees requires us to see beyond ourselves and our own lives. And the things that we're involved in here and now will have implications for generations and generations to come. Can you see as God sees? So this morning, I want to invite you to consider the possibility that there is a way to go through life Seeing, but not seeing as God sees. Experiencing your own life and the world around you and the relationships you're in and the family that you have and the friends that you have and the spouse and the kids that you have without ever seeing them as God sees them. And the invitation of Jesus to enter into the kingdom, to do life as he's doing it, is to not only experience his resurrection and power, but also to see the world and your relationships and your friends and your family and your spouse and your kids as God sees them. And so we stop and we turn aside so that we can begin to see the mundane and the ordinary for what it is, which is actually extraordinary and drenched with the possibility of God's presence and the potential of God's hope and God's future. The question is, can you see it? Pray with me, if you will. God, this morning, we want to explore this This idea of what it means to see as you see. 
And we need it. Desperately, we need it. The lenses through which I see the world without you lead to isolation and brokenness. And that is not who you are. That is not your nature, and that is not what we see in Scripture about you and the world that you made and what you've invited us into. And so, God, we come today and we say we want to see as you see. So in this next moment of silence, I want to invite you to bring that request, if it's honest, before God and say, God, I want to see as you see. And maybe invite God to bring one thing one person, one relationship, one situation, one part of your future that you're maybe f- struggling to see. God, bring to mind one thing and help me to see as you see. Holy Spirit, we trust you. You're the spirit of truth, and so we have nothing to fear. Lead us and guide us to what's true and real. Here we are. You know, in seminary, they teach you how to, like, write sermons and put services together, and basically they tell you to do the opposite of what we just did. <laughs> you know, like, keep going up and to the right, you know, like, more energy and send them out. And I just think, like, in a world where everything is speeding up in, like, the news cycle and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and everything is, like, going, 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 like, the voice of the prophet would probably say, life is actually this way. So as a community of believers who follow Jesus, resolutely we say, God, that's our prayer. Slow us down so that we can see you, so that we can hear you, so that we can recognize what we have and respond in the world with love and grace and truth. That's what we want. So I hope it's a gift. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go see as God sees. Peace out. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.